Hello. It's Jen. This is Gardening Out Loud. It is Tuesday, October 31st. It's about 8.30 in the morning. And I can see my breath. It's hovering right around zero here. And you know, I came down to the garden this morning thinking, well, time to record the final podcast because the frost will have come. The killing frosts, that is. And while some of the leaves on the ground have that familiar white frosting, and certainly the rooftops did this morning, all of the tender things made it through the night. Which just goes to show, you never really know. The night is supposed to go down to minus four and that should really do the trick in terms of being the end of the dahlias and the nasturtiums and all the other tender little darlings the cucumelons that have been such champions. But that's okay. You know, I'm ready. I started recording this podcast six and a half months ago. That's six and a half months of spending time with this garden. And as I was saying last time, I feel that call to rest, and the garden does too. This is not its most beautiful time of year, the garden itself. Most things are dying back or scraggly, powdery mildew sets in. But there still is beauty here, of course. What I think is interesting, though, is that the things that are most striking right now aren't the things from summer that are hanging on the last dahlias the dahlias even the ones that are still here aren't really in their prime it's not even the spring things getting their second chance like the snapdragons actually don't really like the desperate heat of summer or they like the cooler weather and so i'm seeing them actually have another good little moment But what is most striking to me is the beauty of the things in transition, in what you might call decay. Right now, the raspberries have this ombre coloring going on where towards the base of the plant, the leaves have had red. In the middle, they're kind of a yellowy color and then they fade to the green tips. I'm just finding that gorgeous. The service berry beside them has its orangey yellow leaves on, which are quite striking. Some of the roses are making beautiful hips right now if you're walking around. Most of my roses aren't too hippy, but I have noticed the generous gardener, true to her name, has made some beautiful pale orange hips 
And I am looking forward when that plant is more mature to seeing a whole bunch more of those. So beauty in the transition, perhaps easier to emphasize when I'm not standing out here looking at the blackened husks of my dahlias. But as I said, I'm feeling ready. Another thing that is absolutely gorgeous in the yard right now or yard adjacent isn't something I tend. The house we live in has a well-established Boston Ivy plant on it and its leaves are all big, wide, lobed, red and orange and purple leaves. And they're now at the point where they're starting to fall off. But what they leave behind are these strings of purple berries, which the birds actually will eat in the coming days once they're exposed. And don't come at me, I didn't plant this ivy, but it's here and it's thriving. And a couple times a year, it really does perform services to the more than human community when those flowers that later make the berries bloom, the whole building is just covered in bees. And now soon the birds will come and eat those berries. It's maybe not a plant that I would choose, but it's nevertheless a plant that really does make a contribution. And that has made its home here. So what are we doing in the garden now? Well, there was a fortuitous wood chip drop <laughs> in the community, alerted to by my friend Carrie, thank you Carrie, where I've gotten all the wood chip for this garden by taking a 10 minute walk there with my wheelbarrow and then pushing my full wheelbarrow back, doing many trips like that. And this year, I think the bylaw officers descended sooner so I didn't have as much time to do shifts, but I did get about six-ish, maybe seven wheelbarrows full. And that has allowed me to restore the chip path around the garden. It allowed me to top some of my pots with wood chip mulch, like my blueberry, and to put some wood chip around my pollinator garden in the front. So I'm really grateful to that neighbor who got the big chip drop and shared it. This to me always feels like such a great example of how resources can stay in the community, how they can become secular and feed life here instead of being trucked away to be dumped somewhere. And I wish there was more of that. The city used to share wood chips, but I think because of the Dutch elm disease, fears they stopped doing it or maybe I, I don't know but I've been meaning to write to my city councillor who is uh, a green person to see what she thinks about trying to bring that back it doesn't seem to me an insurmountable challenge I have also extended the bed as I said I would so I put down some cardboard watered it put a couple inches of compost, homemade compost on top, 
little leaf mold. And then I've covered that in leaves and it's just going to hang out. In the spring, I might top it up with a bit more soil, but for now, that's really all that needs to be done. Beyond that, I'm cutting stuff back if it has powdery mildew and then I dispose of it in the garbage or you can put it in a yard waste bag and hope that that yard waste gets really hot and can kill those spores because you just basically don't want those spores of powdery mildew to overwinter and then to attack your plants next year. So those things I have been removing. Just about everything else I leave. So anything that looks like it's going to get diseased or is diseased comes out. At a certain point, I did cut back a bunch of the cosmos to let more light in to the existing places. But everything else will leave for the birds and deal with it in the springtime. Soon I will take some of the leaves I've gathered from my neighbors. Once again, community resources. And I will put those over most of the garden bed as a kind of habitat, also to protect some of the more tender plants and for whatever leaves break down to enrich the soil. I also do have to do a little raking. I know you think like, oh, aren't we not supposed to rake? We leave the leaves, etc." Yes, definitely do that. However, a lot of my leaves from the Boston Ivy fall on pavement in the alley and they're of no use there. So I'll rake those up and they will eventually join the other leaves from the community in the garden. Today I was poking around a little and found a couple beautiful radishes. I did not plant these, they planted themselves. You can absolutely grow radishes as a fall crop. And I did not, as I said, I didn't plant them. But this is a case of laissez-faire gardening working out. So I happily pulled up those couple of radishes and I will enjoy those. So even this late in the game, still little surprises from the garden. This morning I also pulled off some marigold seed heads. I am going to process those, get them ready for the seed library. I'm still picking up nasturtium seeds here and there. Those will also go in the seed library. I just set them out to dry on a, a terracotta saucer until they're ready. I neglected my cold frame planting this year. I blame a chaotic September. I did throw a little kind of mescaline mix seed down in there a couple of weeks ago, just to see what happens. I also transplanted one of the dinosaur kale plants in there. I find it is the least winter hardy of the kales, it usually dies. And so putting the plant in there should at least give it a chance to overwinter and make seed in the spring. That's the hope. I think I've done that once before. I also, this morning, since the frost was restrained, I did cover up some of my fall lettuce that I planted, not in the cold frame, but outside. It didn't germinate all that well. To be fair, I didn't baby it all that much, but I know how well that seed can germinate from the planter I grew up on the balcony. Out here in the garden, they didn't get that same nursery treatment. And so the germination was a lot more spotty. There are a bunch of plants under there. I don't know if I will be able to eat them before 
the cold weather takes them down. But what I did do today was I took a busted large tomato cage and I laid it on its side over that area. And then I put the frost cloth over, draped it over top of that whole thing and used some landscape fabric stables to make a really uh, impromptu improvisational row cover of sorts. Normally one does this with like hoops. If you're going to do it right, that's how you would do it. But I decided to do it with what I had. <laughs> and so we'll see, maybe that'll buy me a bit more time let those little lettuces get a bit bigger and maybe I'll get to eat a salad. The last thing that I've been doing in the last little bit is I joined the wonderful neighborhood group Rewilders to sow some native seeds because I'm going to be seed sitting these this winter, putting some in my garden, sharing some with the community gardens or other people in the community. And so Adam from Rewilders hosted a little event and a few of us gathered in the park and he had all sorts of wonderful native plant seeds. And we sewed those in some one gallon pots and labeled them with little bits of blind. And, and then he ingeniously made little chicken wire domes to put over the top of them to prevent these squirrels from interfering with these plants. And these plants are going to sit here in this tray in the elements all winter long. Native plants from this region need cold stratification, which I think we've talked about. So the seeds, they need those freeze and thaw cycles in with wet cold to help break off the seed coats and help them germinate in the spring. And so we're just helping nature along. At this time of year, you could just throw a bunch of native seed about if you want. And that might even work sometimes. The challenge with that will be because they are slower seeds to grow, there's a good chance they'll get overtaken by weeds or other kind of faster growing annuals in the or shaded out by perennials or what have you. So by having them in these little one gallon nursery pots, we're giving them a chance to be coddled a little bit, to have their own space. And we'll see come springtime if I have some foxglove beard tongue and some gray goldenrod and some blazing star and hairy beard tongue and all of these wonderful new plants. So if you've been meaning to start some native plants that you'd like to join your garden next year, now is a great time. You'll see the milkweed pods bursting everywhere. And that's a perfect time to grab some of those seeds, put them in a pot like this. If you can do one of these little wire covers, I'm sure it will be of great benefit and see what happens. This will be their best chance at having a start in spring. Oh, I've gotten low to look at my little seeds and that gave the juncos the confidence to move in. So they're packing around on the ground over there now. I still have to plant my tulip and daffodil bulbs. I'm going to do those probably in the next week. Now that hopefully squirrel fever has calmed down a bit. 
I protect them with bone meal and blood meal. And also for the tulips, I put an old barbecue grate on top of them because that's the best barrier or chicken wire or something like that. And then I cover them with leaves and that can get them through till spring. So I'll be doing that. The great tip for planting your tulips or daffodils or any of your spring bulbs is to not arrange them too much. The pros advise you toss them on the ground and you plant them where they lay. I don't do that exactly. I like to dig a pit and then I arrange them loosely in that pit. I like them planted a bit closer together. You can certainly plant them more closely than the package suggests. You just don't want the bulbs to be touching generally. And, and then I cover that pit up and I promptly forget <laughs> where that was. If you were a really responsible gardener, you would label those areas so that every year you wouldn't have to look at pictures of the spring garden to figure out where to plant things. <laughs> and the, I also will have to pull up my dahlia tubers. So I'm going to cut them down first as soon as the frost fells them, or I could cut them now if I wanted. And then I'm going to give them at least a week in the ground for the skins to harden, for them to cure up a bit. And also for their eyes, which is that growing point on the tuber, like an eye on a potato, to become a little bit more prominent. This makes them easier to divide. If you're growing dahlias for the first time, one thing you can do is just pull them out, leave them dirty, wrap them in some newspaper that's maybe a little damp and put them in a place where it won't freeze and that should get them through the winter. I do a whole wash, wrap in plastic store thing because it's more space efficient. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna put the leaves down on the garden. And that's about it. And I am going to enjoy being inside, being cozy, I'm going to enjoy mornings by candlelight. And then eventually in the classic cycle, I will turn my attention to dreaming of next year and reading gardening books and sketching plans. But first a rest. And so Dear friends, <laughs> beloved listeners who have made it this far through a season of rambling through the garden in all senses of the word, I'm really grateful that you decided to join me in this strange experiment of sharing this garden, this place, in a kind of unconventional way. And I hope that it has given you some bit of recognition, of community, of comfort, or most of all, a prompt to go out and bear witness to the world yourself. because that's always been the call 
to take the time to marvel at what the more than human world presents every week. And even if you never put your hands in soil this whole season, but if you looked at a flower differently, that's great. I'm so glad. I don't know what the future of this podcast is. And frankly, my brain is not equipped to decide at the moment. So I'll be thinking of it over the long winter. And if there is something in particular that you liked here, some aspect of this podcast that was the most enjoyable, will you reach out and let me know? That would be so helpful to me to know what was useful, what resonated with you, if you liked guest episodes, if you want more of this or less of this. I can't guarantee I'll be back. This was not a small amount of work in the end. But if I do come back, I want to come back in the way that is most meaningful. So do reach out. I'd appreciate that so, so much. Okay. That's enough for me, for the day, for the season. And I wish you all a wonderful long winter. And I hope that even in the cold, which goes on so long, even in the dreary, drippy, late autumnal and early spring months, that you can get out and find some things that capture your attention, things to marvel over. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining me for a season of Gardening Out Loud.